Pat Tillman. You know, I got I got the honor and privilege to play with Pat for three years at ASU and four years uh, with the Cardinals. And I would say he's probably, at, you know, if I made my list at, at the top of the list just because of. Eager Beaver, I'm excited. I'm excited to do another episode with you guys. Snake, Sugar, Mike, good to see you guys back in uh, the unwindy car there. Studio Studio C over there, right? Yes. Studio, 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 Studio Highlander. Studio Highlander. Windy still at the farm. It's always windy in the farm, I'd assume, Yeah, right? it blows out here in the plains, but... Um... It's been really good getting back out here to the farm and inoc- was inoculating cordyceps. And, uh, you know, it's always kind of fun to just be doing all that stuff because it's not something I ever, ever dreamt I'd be doing. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, fruit, fruit of your labor to kind of see all that work come to place. And, uh, you know, we got some cool things happening at Umbo and some shifts we're going to make, and that'll be including uh, – a lot of your hard work that you're doing today, growing mushrooms at uh, the farm, will be utilizing those for some products. So, better get we'll, we'll we'll wrap this thing up quick so you get back uh-huh. to work. You know, Thank you. We got a lot. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, today, guys, we're going to talk about um, favorite teammates and uh, maybe some favorite opponents that you've ever had. I know in the jujitsu room, there's always there's always that guy or two that you really love rolling with because you like their style. They're they're They match you where you, you come at them with, you know? And so there's always people in that room that it's easy to pick them and, and want to roll with. And then uh, there's always opponents that you either are, are concerned to roll with, maybe they're leg lockers or things like that. But um, for you guys, Obviously, you've had some illustrious careers. People love rivalries, whether it's NFL or UFC. And uh, also the idea of, you know, the people who are excelling you, teams, you know, and what was the the quote about uh, state champions in the wrestling room always come in pairs, mm-hmm. you know, because it's always that kind of mentality of guys driving each other to, to be the best. So on that note for you guys, I don't know who wants to start, but just kind of rapping about uh, your favorite opponents and or some of your favorite training partners, teammates that either uh, help push you to become the best. So that's the question for the day. I, I can go first if that's all right with you, Sugar. Absolutely. Um, for me, it's tough uh, to really narrow down and try to go, you know, singular into like favorite teammate. Because uh, as I started playing football, you know, Pop Warner, Optimist, in Boise, um, all the way up to, you know, finishing out my career in the NFL, I had a lot of teammates. Um, but I know we want to, you know, probably focus on when it really was, is when we're on the knife's edge and that was in the NFL. Um, I can just, I got to give credit to a few at, 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 uh, Arizona state, like Juan Roque, my left tackle, he bled, he bled pure, like love and loyalty to the team, to me, my left tackle, he still protects me when I see him. He always opening doors and like backing people off. I'm like, Juan, man, relax, dude. It's it's all right. <laughs> but he's just got a huge heart. And like Keith Poole, my receiver, we came in, played four years and tore it up. A couple of, uh, you know, undersized white dudes 
that shouldn't have been there that were just confident and brought the best out of each other. Um, another guy, Steve Bush, a dear friend, played tight end with him in uh, ASU and with the Cardinals. And then, like, Derek Rogers was another great teammate uh, who just came in and just played at a different level. And, I, you know, another one, Pat Tillman. You know, I got I got the honor and privilege to play with Pat for three years at ASU and four years uh, with the Cardinals. And I would say he's probably, at, you know, if I made my list at, at the top of the list just because of him and what he embodied as a whole entire human – but as a teammate too, man, undersized. He wasn't supposed to be at ASU. He wasn't supposed to make it to the league, yet he balled out and was a straight, straight, you know, every practice, every walkthrough, everything was 100%. And so we bonded immediately because I never was able to like go 80% and just half-ass it in practice. I was in it in practice. I mean, I get in fights in practice because I was so intense and guys couldn't handle that. Same with Pat. He'd get in fights all the time because the receiver didn't want him to hit him. And he would lay a little wood on him because the guy was coming in lazy. And so a guy who just, I used to call them tone setters. They set the tone. Here's the tone for today, guys. Either match it or all the coaches are going to see your half-assed response to having to run 110s and 120-degree heat in the middle of the summer at Arizona State. You're going to be here and do it, or are you going to go through the motion, or are you going to get something out of it? And so – they were tone setters. And I, I just, I got to give credit to the rest of the tone setters that I played with, like Larry Sinners, Rod Smith, uh, Ronnie Mack in Arizona, Frank Sanders, uh, Aeneas Williams. I mean, good Lord, the dude worked tirelessly, not only at his craft, but as his, as him as a man, as a human being too. Like such an honor to play with a guy like that who really lived at such a high standard that how, how do you come in? You can't help but come into the facility hung over on a Monday morning and look at Aeneas and kind of feel a little bit like, damn, he, you know, he went and read his Bible and got to sleep early Sunday night after the game and was like <laughs> there early Monday morning, putting in the work. And you're like, damn it. You know, guy that guys that you kind of want to live up to be like and emulate, but they also make you understand too, when you're not doing it, when you're not doing it a hundred percent and those come around few and far between, but they're the tone setters. You know, Rod Smith, Rod Smith was a tone setter. I didn't have to do as much with Rod there because Rod knew that I had other things to focus on and he would be the one that would be pulling the guys and, 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 and inspiring them and dragging them through a tough workout. And then if he didn't do it, I'd always be there too. But uh, yeah, man, some great teammates. Um, probably one of the biggest ones that really helped me almost like the, you know, in another episode we talked about Greg Lords giving me that confidence was Larry Sinners. Larry Sinners played fullback, and he was actually number three all-time receiving receptions in the NFL as a fullback before the explosion of the, the spread-out, wide-open offenses. And this dude just, I mean, everything he did was straight, country tough, tooth and nail, 100%. That included, like, going out and drinking after practice or going out and having his fun and partying. Dude showed up every single day and I loved him for it and he, he gave me a lot of confidence as a rookie inviting me into his room to play track and field between practices and have a cold Coors light with him and I'm like introduced me into the the back room where all the veterans were and was like he took me under his wing and we've spoke of Larry earlier you know with the the, the uh, eye of the tiger baby that's Larry Sinners man LC what a great teammate one of my all-time favorites um, Ruben drones at, at Denver, another just 
just badass. I knew no matter what he did out of the field, off the field in his own time, when he put that click, click, it was on. He was bringing it 100% tone setter. Um, you know, and Frank Sanders, I think I mentioned another great just teammate that, that helped me a lot of ways. Um, I also had the privilege of play against some amazing Hall of Famers. You know, none other than Jack Junior Seau was so fun to play against. He was having fun out there and calling you out and also scaring you at the same time. And so it just like brought the best out of you, along with Ray Lewis, got to play against who may be the greatest linebacker ever. Uh, and so, you know, when you get a first down and you juke him and make it dive and like get past him, you realize too, like uh, we've talked about this, uh, appreciating and the expectations and self-love, like, yo, I just juked Ray Lewis. One time I juked Deion Sanders, man. I actually juked. I went like that and got around him, and I'm like on the field going, I just juked Deion. (laughs) Holy shit. And then, bam, I got smashed afterwards. But, you know, these guys brought the best out of everybody they played, and and I never backed away from them. I always went straight at them like, oh, you're the best? If I get a ball on you and you're the best in in the entire NFL, and what's that make me? I'm pretty damn good, you know? I'm not going to shy away from you because you're, you're the best. So um, I had a lot of great, great opponents, but, you know, my teammates were really where it was at. You know, my centers, Tommy Nalen, Jason Starkey, you know, Mike Devlin, Mike Grudadaria, the dudes that snapped the ball to me, you know, those guys had, had, had my safety in their hands. And I loved all, every one of those guys deeply too, and great teammates. So I could go on and on and on for another hour. <laughs> but that's just the icing on the cake there. The top, like top dudes that really had my back and I'm sure I'm missing some, but, um, you know, love, much love and, and gratitude to all my teammates that believed in me. Yeah. Right on, man. Yeah. Larry centers is uh, such a trip. I really enjoyed your guys' comedy <laughs> thing that you did out in Arizona. You guys just looked like old friends having so much fun. Anybody who saw that Rashad, you were there, yeah, man. I was, it was good. Those dudes it was good going off it was so good but i'm gonna have to say mike you have to dig up that video of snake i hope it's out there i mean i'm gonna have to see maybe, that. maybe maybe uh i'm pretty i mean my memory is pretty good on those kind of things because i remember that you remember something like that i mean greatest one of the greatest I, yeah, athletes I to think- grace this planet and here he is on the field, and I'm playing against him and coached all week to throw to the left, throw to the left. We're going to go left. And my first double route I get, I'm going right. Why? Because Dion's 10 yards off. He ain't getting tested today. He's Dion Sanders. He's prime time. Nope, not with me. I'm coming at you, Dion. And he took me back pick six a couple times. It's all right. I completed the ball on him too. And there's mad respect there when you see these guys. When I see Ray – I see Dion. I see some of my these opponents. There's a respect thing there that that doesn't yeah. do anything but help me go. Oh, all right. My one thing was to leave with respect, to leave with dignity, and these guys all look at me as a competitor, and that's really what you want when you're stepping into the the ring. Is that when you, the field. you were on the Cardinals or the Broncos against Dion? Uh, Dion Dion was Cardinals. We played the Cowboys. We were in the NFC East, okay. so we played them a bunch. And you know, played against Michael Strahan, another amazing like. Oh, my God, man, Hugh Douglas. I mean, I could go down the line. Brian Dawkins, I got to play against, like, Hall of Famers that were – you bet you had to bring it to beat those dudes, man. And, it, and, and, you know, there's a lot of respect there. That's the fun part is that mutual respect amongst guys that play the game right, play it with their heart, play it with everything they got. Mm-hmm. Whether I cussed you out 
and called you a dirty name and you did the same to me and we got after it off the field retrospect 20 years later yo man i, I know i can count on you super cool man i, was, I, I love those stories and I'm, I'm excited to hear you sugar obviously the individual sports and the hype between rivalries in the ufc that's what makes this that sport uh extremely exciting to watch and obviously you have yours i'm sure our audience is kind of thinking oh what's rashad gonna say Who, who's that opponent probably more importantly because we all got it in our minds but for you who was your favorite opponent we'll start there and we'll, and we'll step into teammates too for sure but you know you got, you got okay something that comes uh, yeah so my favorite opponent to go against it, it was Rampage Jackson, man. I mean, Quentin Rampage Jackson, he brought out the best in me because, you know, there was that there was that element of like, yo, this dude, can he, he, he can beat me. You know what I'm saying? Like there was that, that respect that, that he could beat me. But at the same time, every single time we get in a room together, we were just like, you know, oil and water. We just didn't mix. You know, we just did not mix. And, uh, it was it was dynamic. It was a dynamic. It was beef on site. It was beef on site. Like there was a time where I was uh, hanging out, not having anything to do with anything fight. We're just hanging out at the club, and I see him. He jumps in my face, and we start going back and forth like we always do. And pretty soon it escalated to the point where we we're kind of pushing, and we had to get you know separated. And I got kicked out the club, and he got to stay. <laughs> but that was that was the kind of thing, you know, it was just like, OK, that's what drove me because I kind of felt as if like, you know, he was such the favorite. You know, everybody liked Rampage where they booed me, you know, they liked him and he was a funny one. And, and I was like, oh, OK, so the the rivalry was was very thick. And what made it even more thicker, what made it thicker was the fact that, you know, we were supposed to fight at the conclusion of the ultimate fighter show, but he was doing an 18 movie. So I had to fight somebody else in, in, in the interim, which was Tiago, uh, Tiago Silva. And then I had an opportunity to fight him again. So it, it the beef kind of simmered a little bit. And every single time I seen him, it was just, it was just beef on site. And having a fight like that, where you, you have the, the hype behind it and there's so much, of the story, the backstory behind it, it, it pulls the fans in, it pulls everybody in. So, you know, no matter where you're at, you can't really escape it. You can't escape the fight. You can't escape what's going to happen. You can't escape people's opinions about what they think is going to happen. So it was, um, it was a fun time. You know, there, there was times where he would say something because I, we had so many back and forth that, I would almost laugh because it, you know what I'm saying? Because it, it, I, I would get, it was funny. Some of the things he said, it was funny, but it would just, it would just piss me off. And then sometimes I would just laugh at like how easy he was able to just kind of get under my skin, like a brother, you know what I'm saying? Like a brother that just, that just looks at you and you're like, see mom, look, he's doing it again. And then your mom looking and then he's like, what? He's just looking. And he's like, but he knows what he was doing. You know what I'm saying? So that's what me and Rampage had. We had that, that dynamic that was just um, that was just fun to compete against. And uh, when we had the fight, when we actually made it to the octagon fight, there was nothing like that fight week. That fight week was was electric. You know, it was it, it was so much build up and so much hype that I remember walking out to the fight 
and and normally I get the numb legs, but I couldn't feel my legs at all. It felt like it felt like I had no legs, man. Like I felt like I had to like to drag my legs into the cage because I just couldn't feel my feet. And uh, when the fight started, and and I ran across it, and I hit him with the punch, and then I ran across and hit like what what set it off. I was just so in my mind that I just wanted to just finally get a chance to release it. And when I got a chance to hit him and he flew across the cage, I was like, I was shocked. I was shocked. Cause I was just like, man, that was a lot easier than I thought it was. And, uh, <laughs> it was, it was one of the best fights of my life because of the, of the fear that I had to fight through in order to perform. Mm, I've got so a as go ahead. Well, if you had more about Rampage, I wanted to ask. A, a, no, no. So I was done with that. I think that there, it can be underrated how impactful a corner can be, you know, help a fighter, yeah. you know, to show up and win a fight. And the sort of uh, Leon Edwards talk from his corner has gone viral recently and the impact that made on the, the Usman fight. I'm, I'm curious, Rashad, have, were there ever moments in your career where your corner really helped you with an adjustment that made a difference or... Is there in the game a legendary cornerman that you think uh, deserves more praise or, you know, some more limelight? Yeah, you know, one fight in particular when I was fighting Forrest Griffin, um, me and Mike Winklejohn, the, the, the coach for um, Jackson's, he, him and I always had a great, great bond and a great chemistry. Like a lot of times when I was hitting mitts with them, we would just be having conversation, you know, and, and he would just be – saying things over and over again, getting me to believe in my power, getting me to believe in my striking. And he did a really good job of just kind of making me understand that I didn't only have to wrestle and I had power and, and, and he really b helped my self-belief. So I was fighting Forrest Griffin and I, w I don't know, I started to fight off slow and the first round he won, the second round he won and uh, I go to the corner and Coach Winkle John just grabs the water and he just like slaps it in my face, like just slaps the water in my face. And I get like a cold rush of like, wake the fuck up. And he's just like, what are you doing? What are you doing? Like, what are you doing? And like, you know, he was like, yo, you got to snap out of this. You're going to lose this fight and you're not even fighting. And the way he got in my ass at that moment was like, I immediately sat up. I immediately stopped the little internal dialogue that I had in my head and just, you know, getting in my head about competing. And I just was like, he's, he's right. I got to go. I got to go. And then the next round, Forrest was doing the same thing that he was doing all fight. You know, one, two, three, leg kick, one, two, three, leg kick. And I caught onto the pattern and I just, I just anticipated and I just hit him with a clubbing right hand when he went for the, uh, the leg kick and he dropped. And I just got on his ass and I just didn't stop hitting him. But I remember Coach Winklejohn, he, he was a very intricate part of, of just me tapping into that, you know. Um, we, we talked about the teammate things. And, um, you know, my team, the Jackson team, old Jackson team, was, was pretty much, you know, the beginning of the super camps. You know, now you see, like, all these different guys of, of different skill levels and different weight classes all coming together to make these – super teams but but the jackson team was, was the first one to really come around to do that it was uh joey Villasenor, senor nate marquardt keith jardine uh myself and 
GSP, George St. Pierre. And, you know, we all came together to form like this super team and that super team was dynamic. And, and for me, you know, when I think of one of my best teammates that, that I've ever had, it, it was Keith Jardine because without Keith Jardine, I don't think I would have been able to get as far in mixed martial arts as I, as I was because from the ultimate fighter show, he brought me into Jackson's, you know, I slept in his, his, his spare bedroom while I was in training camp and getting ready for the fights and things like that. So he was a huge, intricate part uh, of me uh, reaching the heights that I did in fighting. And the same thing, you know, we were, we were uh, in the same weight class, right? So he was a two or five pounder, I was a two or five pounder. So he was my measurement of how good I was, you know, and I'm like, I would judge myself how good I did against Keith. And I'm like, these guys are not going to be like Keith. So it gave me that extra confidence but there was another guy, too, that, that I trained with that ended up being my coach. Um, his name was Mike Van Arsdale. Mike Van Arsdale was probably the best coach that I had. Um, he was a, a, uh, a wrestler by trade into mixed martial arts. But as he was a mixed martial artist, he was a little bit on the older side, and he was more on his transition out. But what he offered in a coaching standpoint, in a mindset standpoint – was unbelievable. He was he was light years ahead as far as you know the mental focus and how to really bring yourself to the mental training and really how to face yourself when it comes to that uh, that that mental part of it. But he he was also one of those old school coaches that you know would would make you cry during practice. You know what I'm saying? Like the kind where <laughs> I remember one time uh, I remember one time in particular. Uh, we had to do these aerodyne sprints, right? He was crazy about the aerodyne. Like the aerodyne was like his thing. We would do so many rounds of sparring, but I had to finish on the aerodyne and I had to make a mark. I had to like hold it for a certain amount of time and I had to hit certain RPMs and I could do that for a while. But when I was dog dead tired, it got increasingly hard. And one time in particular, I was kind of dogging it a little bit and I couldn't make it. But he said, Evs, 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 listen, listen, Evs, listen to me, okay? Um, I'm going to be honest, man. You're dogging it today. And uh, <laughs> if you don't keep it at this pace for 30 seconds, we're starting all over. Now, we were doing like we were doing reps of like like uh, seven in a row. And I got to like the sixth one. And then I, did this, then I was supposed to do the seventh one and then have a break. So I missed the time that he said. And then he said, man, we got to do the whole damn thing over. I almost quit. Like, um, I started to cry. I started to, like, talk crazy. And, and the thing was, like, he was just like, hey, you can say what you want to. You're getting back on the bike. And um, it was tough, man, because I wanted to quit. I wanted to quit, and I wanted to cuss him out, and I wanted to walk out the room. But I knew if I did that, then I would lose the fight. And that's what I would tell myself. I'm like, if I don't do this, then I'm going to lose the fight. So that's why it made me so emotional to cry. But it, it was those guys. It was those guys that that truly made me become the athlete that I was because they made me face myself in ways in which I was trying to get out of, to be honest. Yeah. That's absolutely beautiful. And it's uh, it's really cool to hear the two of you talk about at the end of the day, these teammates and opponents both making you better, right? Like both those things, the the opponent and the team that was behind you ultimately is just elevating you as a person. So 
pretty special stuff. Didn't didn't wasn't Mike Van Arsdale? Didn't he come to that comedy show with Larry yeah, Sanders? And, yeah, and yeah. Mike Van Arsdale was yeah. there. Yeah, he was. I remember that. So sweet. Very good. All right, guys. Well, it's time for another community question. If you want to ask us a question, just DM us at Get Umbo, and uh, we'll send you a free product if we pick your question. Since we're on the topic of of teammates, I want to ask about memories of teammates who are no longer with us. And so this question is for for Jake, but I want to ask a version to Rashad as well. Andy Gonzalez asks, what's your favorite Pat Tillman memory? And uh, after that, I want to ask uh, Rashad, what's your favorite Rumble memory? Oh, man. The, uh, the question's always fun to answer. Um, I get it a lot as I kind of have assumed a role to speak for the for the Tillman family, sometimes it's hard for them to go do these interviews and talk about their amazing son and brother that they lost. Um, and then, you know, I feel like it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a check on myself as I have stopped talking about him at some point. Um, because I didn't feel like I was living up to the standard that he kind of showed us all that you could live by, which was just to keep, keep going and doing what you want to do and like striving to be better and, challenging yourself and challenging others around you and not being complacent, not being dull. You know, that was Pat. And so to answer these questions always is like um, a little recalibration, a little check on myself to see if I'm doing what I feel like if I saw Pat today, I could say, yeah, man, this is what I'm up to Pat. And he'd go right on, man. Not just be like, um, you know, you were saying this about doing this and I, there's not much action. You know, Pat was a man of action. So Speaking of him as a teammate, I'll keep my stories to on the field as there were a lot of good times off because uh, Pat loved to have a Guinness and, and loved to have fun. But on the field, a couple of my favorite moments, um, you know, came came in practice, actually, when he first got to the Cardinals. Uh, Matt Cody was one of our receivers and and he Mac ran a route across the middle of the field and Pat you know, just kind of came up and was right where he caught it. And when he was coming down, Pat was there and he just gave him a shoulder and just knocked the shit out of him. And in practice, that's not supposed to happen, right? You're not supposed to do that, but Pat played it a hundred percent, just like me. And, and sometimes you can't turn that switch when that opportunity presents itself to do your job that you're expected to do on Sunday, you do it on Wednesday accidentally and knock your teammate. They get up and start scrapping <laughs> and that happens a lot that's not the funny part the best part though was like uh pat had taken some like some uh come some like martial arts in the off season and uh so they were going through this fight and they got their helmets on and stuff and people are trying to break them up and all you hear is pat he's matt cody's like bent over and he's throwing knees on him and he's going hi-ya hi-ya and he's like saying hi-ya on the field just screaming to, and like by the time the fight was over we were all laughing so hard our coach, <laughs> coach Tobin got so pissed off because we were laughing because you're not you know no fighting you know it's not good but we all were laughing our asses off and they he made Pat and Matt go stand with each other on the sideline right next to each other and just stand there like kids in a timeout <laughs> but that that's just oh, a memory man. for me of Pat because you know one you get in a fight and usually you're like yo mom, mom, get and he's doing hi-yahs like he's <laughs> stepping on the mat. Um, one more memory of him was like uh, <laughs> he sprained his ankle. He started, you know, he wasn't supposed to start. 
Um, this was after, you know, getting not supposed to be in the NFL, all this stuff I to- talked about, about Pat. Um, but he comes in and uh, he he's told you're not playing next, next week. You're done. You're off because you sprained your ankle. And he looked at the trainers like, whatever. Wednesday, he's supposed to be in the training room, icing and stimming. And he's like out on the field, walking around the field, watching us practice. And he's limping a little bit. But I'm watching him. I'm taking taking stock and like one lap, two laps, and all of a sudden he's not limping anymore. He's kind of walking with a normal gait. Next day he's supposed to go to the training room, be on his office feet, you know, icing, stem, elevation. He's out and he's like walking and then he's jogging and he's kind of like slowly moving. And all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. And then the next day he's out at practice. And everybody's like, what the hell? He's like, no, man, ankle ain't going to stop me. I got a job to do on this team. And like he, I watched him will himself into health and healing by just not doing what normally people what would be uh, the, the regimen or the prescription for healing an ankle. He just went and did it. And, uh, you know, that was Pat. He set his mind to something that usually was going to be done. He was going to make it happen. Um, I loved it, man. Every time on a kickoff, Every time on a kickoff when he was a rookie, whether he is in the play or not, the announcer at Sun Devil Stadium for the Cardinals would say, Pat Tillman on the tackle, and the crowd would just go crazy because it was Pat. And I, he'd come off the field, and I'd be looking at him like, dude, you even make that tackle, man. You're crazy. You're getting all the credit. But smart smart PA announcer to get the crowd involved. But I was blessed to play with Pat. Uh, he was a dear, near and dear friend, one of the best like friends, not my best friend, but the best friend that I have ever had at like checking on you and really like making you want to be better to do better to achieve to like do all that Pat was uh spot on I guess to finish that statement about Pat I could say Pat was a fucking champion because that was one of his favorite things you're a fucking champion he'd say to you if he liked you (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know um Anthony Johnson, Anthony Rumble Johnson, uh, he was a teammate of mine. When I first started this team out here in South Florida, he was one of the first guys who came to the camp. And originally speaking, I started the team because I wanted to get rid of being part of a super camp. You know, I wanted to say, you know what, forget the super camps. It didn't work out for me at Jackson's. At the end of the day, they chose somebody else over me, and that's how it's always going to be at a super camp, they're always going to go what's best for them, them being the coaches. So I wanted a camp that was just pretty much centered around uh, just me, guys that I brought in and I paid to spar and stuff like that. And he was one of the guys who I had come down. But um, what ended up happening is a team ended up forming. And he was, in the beginning, there, there wasn't that many guys that I can train with. There was this guy named Alir Latifi, and there was Anthony Johnson who at the time wasn't quite a 205 pounder. He was a one a failed 170 pounder. I say failed as in failed making weight. Then now he was trying 85 and you know, he started to slowly grow into this freaking eight strong monster, right? I remember when he first came in, it was like, okay, you know, I, I would go in there and I can kind of work him a bit. You know, I can kind of work him. He had pretty good decent stand up. He had some power, but when it comes to just the whole flow of the thing, I'll be able to get him. I can take him down. I can, you know, use my groundwork to ride him out. So as he's getting the more confidence and the more success, you know, he goes from 185, had trouble making weight at 185, and now he's at 205. And uh, he was an absolute monster. Um, 
in training, you try to always take care of your partner. You don't want to, you don't want to hurt them. But there was a long list of guys who Anthony Johnson was just knocking out in training. He was knocking out in training to the point where I'm just like, I was the main part of it. I'm like, dude, listen, listen. I know you may have a little bit of, a little bit of uh, animosity for me or wanting to get me back throughout the years, but I said, look. If you knock me out, I swear to God, we're, we're not we're not training anymore, man. I'm not I'm not gonna train with you anymore. I'm not gonna train with you, and uh, you know he, he was laughing about it. He's like, "No, I should go cube. I wouldn't do that. I wouldn't do that." And you know, um, one one practice practice in particular, you know, we're going at it, we're going at it, and we're going back and forth. And he knocked the shit out of me with this kick. I just didn't even see because Anthony had this left kick that just came out of nowhere. You, you, there's no tell on it. He hit me with this kick so hard. <laughs> and I just looked at him. I just paused and I looked at him and I said, see, that's that shit. And then he said, oh, my bad, my bad. But then, then he kind of took off the power. But, you know, um, he he was one of those guys who, you know, he would he would he had that compassion. in him. He had that love in him. He had that like, all right, I'm going to take care of this guy. But for a lot of guys, he, he wasn't he wasn't taking it easy on him. He was knocking fools out in practice. I'd never seen so many bodies drop than I did when they were sparring Anthony Johnson, man. Like, it, it was unbelievable. But I, I can proudly say that he ain't never get me. And, and and I say he ain't never get me, not because, you know, I had that extra skill, but, you know, some bitch ain't never tried to get me. You know, he just always kind of let me, let me, uh, let me be big bro, you know. He let me be big bro and not, and not try to shake that up. So I always liked that and I respected that. You know, Anthony was one of those guys who – was was a good friend of mine, you know, not only in the gym as a training partner, but just outside the gym. You know, we would hang out, we would uh, have have a lot of experiences together, and um, it, it was unbelievable and sad to just see, you know, how fast life happens and how fast that transition happened for him. Um, it, it was something that it sticks with you, you know, it sticks, it stuck with me on a level that, that that's really hard to explain, but it's one that at times I, I look at, you know, a picture of him or I look at one of the, you know, uh, some equipment that I got from him and it just kind of, it just kind of, you know, hurts a little bit. It kind of stings a little bit, you know, because it wasn't that long ago that he was the strongest, baddest mofo that I know, you know what I'm saying? Had the eight strong strength, Built like a silverback gorilla, man. And, uh, you know, I miss him a lot. Yeah. Man, beautiful, beautiful guys. You know, both Anthony and Pat just seem like just tremendous people. And I think that's one of the just most beautiful things about life is you get to spend time with some uh, tremendous people. And then when they're gone, it obviously hurts quite a bit. But to sit back and reflect on some of the stories, just to, make you smile, man. That's what life's all about. It's that simple little things. You think about some silly thing they did and you just crack up and think about it. And then it's like, man, life is good. Yeah. You know, life is, life is good. So teammates you know, are good. Opponents are good. What'd you you know, when do? I, when I, when I talk about Pat, I always like try to challenge people. He was one human that was phenomenal. And we know a lot of them. A lot of us know a lot of people that were phenomenal. Don't, don't take for granted. There's a lot more Pat Tillman's walking out there that just haven't been, engaged or had the switch turned a little bit to the right temperature. 
Um, so yeah, there's, there's so many good people out there. And when you get across paths with someone like that, you know, you count your blessings and let them be an inspiration for your life. Absolutely. Well, I'm, I'm incredibly grateful for each of you guys in my life and the, and the stories. There's so many times I get to reflect on, uh, the things that the conversations we've had or the things we're trying to do together and makes life worth living. So I appreciate each and every one of you guys for your your being and beingness, you know, and so good stories. You, Thanks for the conversations around teammates and opponents and just life in general. So uh, another episode wrapped up much love to each of you guys and yes. we'll uh, do this again. Much soon. love back. Thanks, Peace. Guys. Peace, love and mushrooms.